folks, welcome into this week's episode of the Official Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Kwani, with Paris sitting beside me and Max as well. Hello, hello. Max is being silent, but he did put up a peace sign. And it's a very special week in the world of sports, actually. October 19th was what we call the 17th sports equinox in the history of sports. So Paris, do you want to explain to the folks what it is? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, just like we have a fall equinox um, and other equinoxes throughout the year, it's kind of a changing of seasons. It's a really interesting event when all this thing happens universally in the sports world. It's when there are multiple sporting events for multiple major league sports organizations so on this past thursday there was a nfl game there were three nba games there were three nba games there were nine nhl games an mlb playoff game and so it's like the sports explosion and this happens um there we've only had according to uh 538 we've only had 17 sports equinoxes in history since the 70s um when people really started paying attention to this and since 2001 there have only been seven so this is a rare event it's exciting and i'm sure it's really complicated for people who are sport fans of all these different leagues and have to figure out what they're going to watch the most wonderful time of the year is upon us it's the most oh, yeah. wonderful <laughs> time of the year. She will find any reason to There's sing. a song for every we, occasion. Yeah, we get it. We get it. So <laughs> the basketball season has begun. Cleveland Celtics. Cleveland Celtics. <laughs> Cleveland Cavaliers. Boston Celtics. Yeah. And um, Kwani was blessed enough. Blessed. I won't say lucky. Yeah, not lucky. I'm I'll blessed. S- <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Quoting more Nikki. <laughs> Kwani was blessed enough to attend the season opener game between the Cavs and the Celtics. How was that? It was a great experience, and this is my first season actually covering an NBA team. And when I say that, I say covering in quotes because someone actually asked me when I was in Cleveland, are you a producer for where you work? And I was like, no. I... And then I was like, wait, wait, wait. Actually, yes, I am, because a producer is someone who lays out what they want to convey to their audience what message what storyline that they want their audience to see and i went to cleveland actually the day before the game and i was able to consume what cleveland was and be able to figure out what the culture of that city was and from that i was able to not only gauge how the fans are but also be able to show yes the celtics are in this city but this is what they're encountering when they get there so i'm showing the fans what the city of Cleveland is about because a lot of times people don't really care about Cleveland and when I talked about how much I enjoyed it people were like that's unheard of because people Cleveland gets a bad rap and I don't know why I really love the city I love that everything was walking distance there was a little ratchetness to it in certain parts where I was like all right y'all need to calm down but it was it was fun it was culture and it was a city that People were like, you would never go there other than basketball, but I appreciated that. That's what they have going for them, and they're embracing it. And I thought that was a really cool thing that they they just embraced the fact that they have LeBron and they love it. Mm-hmm. How was the the Cavs presence in Cleveland? You know, is it? Can you tell that this is Cavs territory? Oh yes, Cavs definitely, nation? definitely. When I walked, when I got to my hotel, actually, the first thing I saw was a billboard. It was a Nike commercial, but it was LeBron James plastered right on the side of a building. 
And granted, I did stay across the street from the Q, which the Q Quicken Loans Arena is where the Cavs play. So I'm sure there was definitely more presence of Cavs fans around that area. But you can tell once you get there, people are Cavs fans. They're embracing it. They love it. And this is the city that they're in. They're going to be proud of LeBron and the NBA champs that they have in their city. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's a an interesting comparison to make to Boston, you know, where we have – such a huge sports presence you know and where people are they're proud of every sports team and there's a lot of Celtics pride and I mean it was interesting I was walking down the street um the other day and I saw Kyrie's jersey in the storefront and I was like oh well you know he's here like you know it's happened (laughs) and I mean I I think it's interesting that you know we've had to go through this just really quick transition really and if welcoming Kyrie and also letting go of Isaiah Thomas. What do you think about that? I think the fans have finally come to embrace Kyrie Irving in Boston, even though it's still going to take him a while basketball-wise to adapt because you can. there's definitely a noticeable change in the way he's playing basketball. Brad Stevens' game is more of a it's, – it's team. Like, everyone's getting a touch before we shoot. That's how it is. It's that team mentality driven into your skull. Versus Cleveland, everyone knew that that's LeBron's team. They called him the coach, general manager, and star player of the team. So he's coming from a different environment to the point where he has to adapt as well. But the fans are adapting because they are breaking up, in a sense, with Isaiah Thomas. And they're having to accept the fact that this man who put the team on his back is no longer with us. But I think one thing that is very notable is the fact that Kyrie is coming from a championship team. He has that championship mentality. And in the end, it's a win-win for both teams. Isaiah Thomas is getting to go to a team where they're playing what people are calling the the best player in the world. And people don't realize that if you want to be a champion, then you have to be with someone or be in the environment where there's a championship mentality. Mm, Same with Kevin. Yeah, it really is. Kevin Durant going to the Warriors. People were upset that he's going to a super team. It's not fair. He's cheating his way out of Oklahoma City and going somewhere where he's guaranteed a ring. As much as I can understand that side, you also have to realize that as good as he may have been at Oklahoma City, as good as he may have been at Russell Westbrook, you can't win a championship if you're not surrounded by people who know how to mentally win. The reality, it's it's mental. Like the Pats coming from a 28 to 3 deficit against the Falcons is not physicality. It's the mentality of having the greatest coach in football being behind you, having one of the greatest quarterbacks who is not going to take a loss for an answer and being able to come back from that. And people hate that I like bring up all these Boston references, but the championship mentality is real. You have the Tom Brady's, you have the LeBron James's and they will not take a loss for an answer. If it comes down to them having to score 50 points in three minutes, they'll find a way to do it. And so I think the same is for Kyrie coming to Boston, this team that everyone talks about, the Celtics, they have so much promise. They're a young team that has potential. You can have as much potential as you want, but if you're not surrounded by someone who's going to instill that mentality into you, then you're not going to win. And the same goes for Isaiah Thomas. It's the win for him because he goes to Cleveland. He's playing with LeBron James. You go on his Instagram every day. It's that slow grind. He He's hustling. He realizes that even though he still has a hip injury that he needs to deal with, when he comes back, he's going to be ready too because now he's being surrounded by that greatness. Mm. And again, you can have potential, but if you don't have that mentality of winning, if you're not able to – have two minutes left in the game and know that you have to win, you could shoot all your shots. You're not going to make them because you 
aren't tapped into the game the way you should be. I agree. I think that it was a good move. It was a difficult move, a difficult transition, but I think for both, it it will prove to be an interest. It will prove to make the NBA season interesting, really and I would is. love to see you know an East conference finals with the Cavs and the Celtics I'm I'm betting I'm willing to bet on it and I'm not a betting person but knowing that these two teams made that swap and it's unheard of we've talked about this how two teams would give up one of their best players especially when they're the biggest that's their other competitor in a conference that people are saying is the least competitive but to see that that swap was made I really just want to see an Eastern Conference Finals with the Cavs and the Celtics because I feel like it'd be probably the greatest conference finals of all time. I will say, I think that those two teams are my favorite to watch play each other. Yeah, and definitely. even like Cavs and Warriors because that gets it gets old after yeah. a while, you know. But I think the it's a, it's a game of grit mm-hmm. when it comes to them too. You have the storyline of people getting traded. You have Isaiah Thomas with that chip on his shoulder as usual there are so many storylines within that rivalry that you're like there's no reason why this isn't the matchup of the century because we know the warriors are good we know the thunder are okay like we know we know what to expect from other teams but when it comes to those two teams when you see them together you're like there is so much to dissect from this matchup that we want to see how it turns up. I wanted to ask really quickly. I mean, we talked about how the fans are receiving Kyrie. It's interesting how Kyrie may be receiving the fans. <laughs> um, he said a little something to a fan. Yes, he told a wasn't fan so to nice. Suck a private part of his. Yes, wasn't so nice. And granted, I mean, they were down against the Sixers. Um, at you the know, half. at the half, it was potentially a heated moment, it and was. he just wasn't really thinking. Didn't know that the fan was recording what he was saying, but you have to kind of always be under that assumption and know that whatever you say could get back to a lot of people. In his case, it costs him a, a huge fine, $25,000 fine. Which is nothing for him, to be honest. Probably like $5 for him. <laughs> but for me, I'm saying that, I'm like, was it worth it? And he actually said that he doesn't regret what he said. He did apologize for the fact that kids probably obviously saw what he said and had to hear it, but... He didn't regret what he said. He said it was the heat of the moment, and that's how he felt. But it also brings up the conversation that despite the fact how he felt, he is put on this pedestal, and people are going to listen to what you say. So even if you don't regret it, it's still an example that you're setting for kids, and that's the reality of it. Yeah, and I mean, I can only imagine. I always think that for these athletes, they move around a lot, you know, at any point in time, just like with Isaiah Thomas at a time when he had had probably one of the roughest years of his life with losing his sister and with his hip injury, he was uprooted and he had created this community in Boston, a community of fans who really liked him and were really rooting for him. All of a sudden he had to go to a new city where he wasn't going to be the star and where he has to, you know, get back on his slow grind and work his way up. Um, and you know, it's, it's like being the new kid at a school at a, and coming from a school where you were the most popular could go in somewhere where nobody knows you. I mean, that's not necessarily the case because people do know Isaiah Thomas. Um, I was reading this article about how he he moved into his new house and didn't have a basketball hoop in the, the and neighbors. Across the street. I saw yeah. I that as well. Yeah, and Sports I thought it was so cute. And they're like, I think that's the new point yeah. guard for the Cavs, you know? And like, lo and behold, it's Isaiah Thomas, of course. But, um, you know, and for Kyrie, it might be he's still getting used to Boston. He's still finding his way here. It's, you know, still, it's obviously really very, very early in the season. Um, but I think as time goes on, and as he continues to pursue this championship mentality um, this and put the city on his back, it's going to prove to be 
pretty cool. So did you see the Gordon Hayward injury when you were at the game? I actually didn't. I was in the back room where the media were eating and basically all the reject media. They didn't have enough seats for us. So they had to sit back there. And I was eating my food, not really paying attention to the game because the TV was so far away from me that I was like, okay, I'll just keep looking at the score. There was a a semi-hush that occurred during a period in time during the game, and I'm like, what's going on? And people are like, oh, my gosh. Like, people are just reacting. And I'm like, what is happening? Why is everyone quiet? So I get closer to the TV, and I realize Gordon Hayward's laying on the ground. I see a pan of Dwayne Wade's face. I see a pan to LeBron James's reaction. I see the fans, Cleveland fans and Celtics fans alike, and everyone had a look of horror on their face. Gordon Hayward had fractured his tibia and dislocated his ankle, which there are multiple reports of what that injury was, but the reality is that I saw a photo of Gordon Hayward's leg out of place, broken. And I can't shake that image out of my mind and after seeing that, I was, mind you, in the back room, eventually one of my coworkers tells me I can sit in his seat, which is in the arena. And before the game, the crowd was loud. You heard them booing, chanting, everything. You knew that these fans were passionate. But after the injury, I got there by the second quarter, and you could feel that there was energy that was just sucked out of the arena because of the injury. It was also a sign of the unity among the NBA. Isaiah Thomas actually ended up in the Celtics locker room supporting Gordon Hayward after the injury. And you just saw everyone become unified. The the Cavs still won. They were not. (laughs) There was no question about that. They were going to continue to play this game. But you even have rookies that are playing. Jason Tatum, new to the league. Jalen Brown, his second year in. And I'm sure they've never experienced that kind of injury on the court. And for them to have to be able to pick up their brain and say, all right, you just saw one of your – star teammates go through this but you have to get back in the game and you have to play and i'll give it to the celtics they played till the end but the reality is that they lost one of their best players and that's something that you can't shake from your head at all yeah and what was kind of the conversation on tv from where i was watching was it 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 felt like it put a dark cloud over the whole game because it's like even though okay well you know it's still start of basketball season it's still the celtics and the Cavs, but this man has really severely injured himself and it's scary and you, and you know you think back to incidents with like Paul George um and Kevin Ware who played for Louisville at the time Paul George played for the Thunder at the time of the injury that he had and those were both really devastating injuries Gruesome. scary to yeah it's scary well. to see yeah and, and those images are imprinted on my mind yeah. um and you know they were able to recover Louisville went on and won the championship that year in the NCAA championship but and, you know, prayerfully, Gordon Hayward will also come back better than ever. But it, in the moment, I can only imagine that it's hard to think that way. But you, you have to just focus on getting better. Exactly. And getting stronger. And I think the thing that bothered me is the fact that people were so quick to hop on jokes about it. Like Mia Khalifa, ex-porn star, talked about how Gordon Hayward was a sacrificial lamb of the Celtics for them to... It was just... It was such an insensitive tweet. And then you have Skip Bayless who said that Gordon Hayward's injury just made it easier for LeBron James and the Cavs to make it to the NBA Finals. And then you have just random no-names who were making jokes about breaking colon Gordon Hayward's leg. Like, you got nine tweets, retweets out of that. How did that fulfill you? People forget that these are human beings... They have wives, they have children. You, 
Robin Hayward, Gordon Hayward's wife, was on Instagram and posted a photo of the the two kids saying, get well soon, daddy. And there was like a photo of them just coloring in the words. And people forget just because you look up to someone, they're still human beings that go through emotions and go through this physical pain. And you have to respect that. And you have to realize that if you were in that position, would you want someone making a joke, making you into a meme? It's not funny. Mm-hmm. It's funny in your head, like, oh, haha, that's a good joke. But the reality is that this is still a human being that you should not be mocking. Certainly. And it's not a, you know, this wasn't a, I was playing pickup on Sunday and, you know, just messed around and messed up my ankle. Yeah, this is my this ankle. is my job. Yeah. And I'm out of work for however long. Yeah. I don't know how long. And so, and I mean, people that happens to people who aren't NBA stars mm-hmm. and they get hurt and they can't go to work and, you know, you they go get through disability the whole, and yeah, and, but there's still this mentality, whether, you know, you're out of work, you're out of, you, you feel a little devalued, I'm sure. And so just get well soon, Gordon Hayward. Yeah. I definitely wish a speedy recovery for him. You were watching the game. So one thing that you brought up to me because I wasn't able to consume this commercial was the Nike want it all commercial yeah so it was this commercial and you can if you want to see it you can google it online of course or search the hashtag want it all and you'll also see a lot of the conversation that was surrounding this commercial this kid who they call dante he's a black kid and Yo, he, dante um and he what's she doing well, in the beginning yeah it's like his mom is like dante what are you doing he's just staring he's just off staring. into space and he you, the camera shows that he's staring at you know this huge pickup game pickup game yeah. basketball pickup game and he you know is is looking at himself really like crossing people up doing all those really cool moves really succeeding and he goes on to um sign with duke where he's going goes to college and is becomes a star there then he signs with the Cavs. goes on he's playing against <laughs> kevin durant story. alongside lebron james who in reality by the time dante grew up would probably be out of the league you know maybe maybe not he goes on to sign with the Cleveland Cavaliers where he's playing against Kevin Durant playing alongside LeBron James who by the time Dante would actually get to the league who knows if LeBron would actually be playing or not or um maybe he thinks he might I don't know it left you with this nice lighthearted feeling of wow like a lot of young boys and young young girls Mm -hmm. have these dreams of becoming these mega athletes these superstar athletes um but there was this air you could tell among people who were commenting on this that freak it was a little stereotypical specifically because it was a young black boy and it never really shown him doing anything other than playing basketball which you know the conversation about sports and black people and those kind of being seen as the outlets that they have, especially if they can, I, I don't, it doesn't detail whether or not Dante was in a, um, you know, underserved neighborhood or situation, but people were not really 100% happy with that depiction. Um, understandably so because it's like you know let's let's show Dante like also maybe becoming a sports entrepreneur let's show Dante also maybe sitting in school being a real you know thriving student athlete you know um they had two minutes to get the commercial in the air because we've talked about this before the stereotypical black kid that's the only way he's gonna make it out but one thing I did appreciate about the commercial was showing his resilience throughout it. In the beginning, he's just a little boy staring off into space, and he's looking at himself playing pickup, and he's 
playing pretty well. He's the best player on the court thus far. He goes to LeBron's skill camp, and he picks up on everything right away. He picks up on the, the drills that LeBron gives to him. But then he goes to Duke, like you mentioned, and instead of making the potentially game-winning shot, he passes it off to one of his teammates. Mm-hmm. And people, he's reading all the articles afterward talking about, was he, he choked, he flew, he, he, you know, he's not as good as we think he is. And he goes back on the court, and he's watching Paul George film, and he's practicing. And the one thing I thought was funny was him on the basketball hoop just doing pull-ups. Like, I'm not going to let this get in my way. And he it showed the resilience of him realizing that he didn't mess up, but he wasn't going to let it happen again. Fast forward to him playing for the Cavs, LeBron alley-oops to him, and he ends up getting a game-winning dunk. As much as I hated the stereotype of another black boy playing basketball, I love the idea of, the resiliency that came with him making it to where he was and knowing that despite the odds, I'm going to make it, I'm going to come back from this one deficit in my game and figure out what I'm missing out on and come back even stronger and to play with the greatest player in the world, he ends up doing it. Again, not a fan of the stereotypes, but the reality is that the NBA is a majority black league, so it kind of made sense to have a black guy playing. We could go back and forth about the stereotype, and I think a lot of people are going to feel differently about it. Um, I remember I shared this, and I, or more so when I saw this, I immediately thought of my one of my older brothers who grew up like having that same exact mentality, wanting to just get better, be better at basketball, wanted to go to the pros, studied basketball, and... Um, you know, did other things too. Clearly, I don't like right now. He's not in the pros. Yeah. He didn't play college ball, but he has so many other talents that he it has persevered in so many other ways. That I think you know maybe some of that perseverance he did gain from being on the basketball court. Exactly. Um, and so I think that this probably resonated with a lot of people for better or for worse. And I mean, hey, I hope Dante, I hope there's someone who watched that and who is the real life Dante. And maybe he'll grow up to be playing with LeBron James. Kobe Bryant has this hashtag Mamba mentality. It kind of ties back to not only Dante playing and successfully being in the NBA, but Gordon Hayward's injury. And Kobe actually posted a long Instagram paragraph dedicated to Gordon Hayward telling him, be sad, actually, be mad, be frustrated, scream, cry, sulk. And the paragraph goes on. But he was basically encouraging Gordon Hayward saying, these are emotions that you definitely do have to deal with as a player going through that kind of injury. But make sure that after you go through that and you filter all of your emotions, then you push yourself to come back. And Kobe Bryant has been doing this Mamba mentality for a while now, people may not have noticed, but on Instagram, in the late August of this year, he shouted out Isaiah Thomas, DeMar DeRozan, Kendrick Lamar, which is who's not even an athlete, and Allison Felix, Richard Sherman as well, and told them, he gave them each a challenge that he wanted them to fulfill before their season or period of time ended. And for Isaiah Thomas, it was challenging him to make the all, NBA All-Star first team this season. DeMar DeRozan, he also challenges him, telling him, you know, I challenge you to rekindle a lost friendship from your youth in Compton. Kendrick Lamar, you're like, wow, that's interesting. And he's not even an athlete, but he told him to go back to his high school and encourage students to tap into music. And that hashtag Mamba mentality is just something that I think is so unique that obviously Kobe being the Black Mamba, him being as Matt, we were chatting earlier before the podcast and 
Max, our producer, was mentioning how Kobe was known for being that selfish player on the court. Like, jokes have been made about how he's not going to pass the ball to you. But now that he's removed from the league, you see him looking in and being that voice of reason and encouraging players who haven't played anymore. And it, it ties all back into the fact that this reality of sports and just being successful is all a mentality, whether you're an athlete, a musician, any kind of success that you want to attain, you have to be able to tap into that mentality of I'm going to be successful. I'm going to set these goals for myself and I'm going to achieve them. And I just love that Kobe was able to reach out to a Celtics fan, a Celtics player who obviously the Celtics and the Lakers have nothing that they would want to have in common, but he was able to reach out to him and say, you're going to come back from this. You're going to fight this and you're going to come back stronger than ever. I like how from Kobe's last game on, there are all these fans, all these people, all these former players, current players who are literally looking up to him and, you know, putting him in this, his legacy in this box yes. on a shelf in this a frame, I should say. And really he's looking down. I mean, he's not deceased, mm -hmm. but he, he's kind of looking over the game and looking over sports as, as being bigger than an individual and, and mm -hmm. stats and things like that and looking at you know going beyond the court what are you going to do what imprint are you leaving and no but you mentioned his legacy and when you think about it yes he definitely had a legacy on the court but one thing that makes him so unique is the fact that he's continuing it you look at jordan who he's still involved in nba now who people consider to be the greatest of all time and lebron who is very invested in his community so there's obviously so much room for debate, but Kobe being, again, a selfish player on the court, but taking a step back and being like a sort of godfather of the game and realizing that, yeah, I'm not playing anymore. I physically may not be able to do so, but let me see how I can invest that mentality into the players and leave a legacy in that way. Because people forget that legacy is not only what you did for yourself because Kobe won, he did his thing, he's a champion. But the true leader and the true legend is someone that can use the things that they learned during their time in whatever field they were and be able to pour that back into the youngins. And a lot of players don't do that. Jordan's done his thing. He's given money to charities. But has he poured out into players the way that we see Kobe doing? Some could argue yes because people look up to Jordan's game and they want to emulate it. But I love – Again, this mentality thing has come up so much today that Kobe's pouring that mentality into these players and he's unselfish about it. And he realizes that this is something that will be far greater than the legacy that he left on the court. Drops Mike. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Mamba mentality. So that was deep. That was very deep. But let's go on a little lighter note. <laughs> Let's talk about Uber drivers and Lyft drivers and shout out to Uber and Lyft. I hope I get a sponsorship out of this because I feel like I might be talking about y'all every single week from this week forward. <laughs> but this week was crazy. I was traveling a lot, which I was really excited about, but I felt like I was Ubering everywhere. Cue music. <laughs> Red rose in my vip. <laughs> but for some reason, I had the craziest Uber drivers. And this was also the week where I reacquainted myself with my personal Snapchat account because I felt like I had been neglecting it. And for some reason, every time I started recording, I just had a crazy Uber driver. So the Uber driver that took me to the airport from Cleveland, in Cleveland to get back to Boston, 
he actually turned out to be the guy who was performing at halftime at the queue, which was crazy to think like my Uber driver is someone that I saw performing the night before. And then the next driver that I got was on my way to the Celtics season opener, home opener, because obviously season opener was in Cleveland. Next day they have to come back and play at home, which is another thing that like, they're resilient of having to play back-to-back games after that. That's another story. So my driver is just sitting here driving me. It, took, it takes 45 minutes to get to the TD Garden when I live maybe 25 minutes away. At that hour, there was no traffic. And this man was just being a con artist about it, talking about, yeah, you know, the GPS told me to make a left, but then I made a right. And so, like, you know, I didn't believe the GPS. And I'm like, sir. And it, he had the nerve at the end of the ride to tell me, don't forget my five stars. And I'm just sitting here looking at this man like, are you serious? No We drove way. through what looked like a military base, and it, it was a one-way entrance. So we get in there. And it has, you know, when you're going into a parking garage, how it has, you take a ticket and you have to go in and you pay a ticket when you're getting out. He goes in, takes the ticket. He obviously drives through really quickly, gets to the end so we can drive out. He goes to the guy and he's like, so how much do I owe you? And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, I just drove in here, but, you know, I didn't mean to come in here because I made a mistake with the GPS and the guy didn't make him pay. And then the guy, the driver just rambles on for like 10 more minutes afterwards talking about, yeah, you know, I would hope he didn't have he didn't charge me, but you know, if he did charge me, I would have paid. And I'm like, "Bro, why are you doing this to me right now? Like, what did I do to deserve this nonsense?" <laughs> I don't know what was going. I I've also had some interesting um Uber and Lyft rides. There was one uh I was in New York and it was like literally four o'clock in the morning. It was, I was on a trans a bus transfer. Mm-hmm. Um and had to get to the uh the greyhound station in times square yeah um and (laughs) at port authority and the driver i don't know if he was new to driving he was stopping at green lights and i was like hey you need to go like (laughs) you know thankfully it was 4 a.m in the city that never sleeps yet maybe they stopped driving um because there weren't that many cars on the road but i was like yeah you need to you need to go and you're like take a left here and you know commenced to directing the uber ride i had a similar uber ride in boston where the driver didn't really seem to know the the rules of the road which is (laughs) not very comforting because i'm just trying to ride in the back of the car i'm not really trying to navigate the street you know i can't see what you're seeing so and then i I was also in a lift and this wasn't a driver issue this was a passenger issue i was in a lift line line? yes and this was in dc and i was in the back right hand corner of the car i got in first we picked up another passenger he got in the front seat cruising along we go pick up the third passenger a third passenger so yes this was the lift loaded a loaded i hate how lift does that that's a a topic for another you know it's you do what you can to save 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 some some money so (laughs) so but this man comes and he comes to the right hand side of the car which is where i'm sitting Mm -hmm. and he i roll down the window like hey i'm sitting here i also had been having a crazy day i was on i had to be on the phone a lot that day and so he's like can you slide over and i said oh no can you go around (laughs) and he was like yeah sure so he gets on the other side of the car gets in the car slams the door shut and he's like i guess you're new to this you don't know the rules who's he talking to you 
I guess so. And I kind of looked and then I looked away and continued my phone conversation. I was trying to keep it low because I was like, I understand I'm in a ride. You know, I'm in this carpool. Don't yeah. want to be rude. But at the same time, y'all signed up for this. So um, <laughs> we all signed up to be cheap. Yeah. So, so we I'm going to have talk to on the phone. each other. <laughs> you know, this is basically like the bus, just a little quicker. So <laughs> I, you know, I'm on the phone and like do my thing. And then we drop off the guy, this, this guy who Attitude talked to me like man. I didn't know what, how to ride in a lift line. And he you know is talking to the driver the driver tells him like thank you whatever he's not responding which was just rude and then finally he's like thank you and then he he's like good luck and gets out of the car slams the door when he walks around the car he looks back at me and i'm just like you know really Bit really turn. and next so next time get yourself a regular lift yeah sir. you don't you you did not get the those money is not worth the stress at that point it's not and even the drive the lift driver was like i don't know why he did that like whoever gets in the car first controls the ride they get to sit where they want exactly they get to play whatever music they want and i'm like yeah you know Sounds but, about right. also why would he have slid over if i was getting exactly he probably wouldn't have <sighs> he probably would not have stress so we ended on a stress <laughs> note but it's okay that's our official review podcast for the week. Thank you guys for listening. Paris wanted to shout out the listeners. Yes, thank you all. This is episode <laughs> six. If you're still rocking with us, we really appreciate it. Gold stars um, we appreciate for you supporting this broadcast. This podcast, not this, this broadcast. broadcast. It's we a broadcast. It's a broadcast <laughs> podcast. We appreciate you supporting this podcast. Kwani, Max, and I produce this on our own. Um, and hey, we appreciate you. Please keep coming back. Let us know if there's something you like, you don't like, you want to, you want us to talk about, et cetera. And yeah, Yeah, I need y'all to start engaging with us on social media. I know we have like 12 followers, which I appreciate y'all, y'all loyal, but I need you guys to engage and give us questions. And like you said, give us feedback. Eventually we'll be on iTunes and what is it? Google play. But for now, bear with us, listen on SoundCloud and we love you. (laughs) thank you for listening and good morning and good night (laughs) good morning and good night i am both i'm a mess right now good day good day good day